0: What's up, everybody? On today's show, the Ole Miss Rebels, our College World Series champs, will give the Rebels their props for a historic season. Jesse Simonton of On3 Sports will join us. He put out his rankings of all the SEC coaches. We'll run through some of those with him. And we'll go around the conference with SEC recruiting news as the Florida Gators miss out on a big-time quarterback recruit. Locked on SEC starts right now. You
1: are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference.
0: And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online. It is where the game starts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at lockedonsec.com. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff around the conference. And we start with the College World Series champs, the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss swept Oklahoma in the College World Series on Sunday, capturing the program's first national championship. Ole Miss went from the last team in the NCAA tournament to the last one standing. The Rebels did it with two runs scored off of wild pitches and a three-run eighth inning That gave them a 4-2 victory on Sunday. They became the eighth national champion since 2009 to come out of the SEC. And the trophy will stay in the state of Mississippi for the second straight year. Remember, Mississippi State won it last year. I even said this a few weeks ago. So wouldn't it be crazy for the Egg Bowl rivalry? If Mississippi State wins it one year, Ole Miss wins it the other. Absolutely awesome. And uh, congrats to... uh, To all the Ole Miss fans out there. Saturday's game one win. Ole Miss let Oklahoma hang around for about seven innings. But in that eighth inning, they unloaded with back-to-back-to-back home runs and route to winning that one 10-3. But the Rebels, with their first baseball national title and just second national title in school history, an SEC team has won the College World Series title in each of the last three tournaments and four of the last five. It is unbelievable what this this conference has been able to do when it comes to baseball. Don't let anybody tell you any other conference is better. Talking to you Big 12 and Pac-12 people out there. After the game, Mike Bianco was uh, talking with ESPN. He said, I was trying to keep glasses on so you wouldn't see me cry. I don't know if you can describe it. We've talked as we continue to play, continue to get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, talked about the journey. Talked about what a great story this would be, and it was. And we had a lot of great moments along the way. Bianco spoke specifically about their senior class, many who chose to come back for another run, and they made the most of that decision. But congrats to Ole Miss. An unbelievable run, a team that many didn't even think would get in. Heck, when we were doing our SEC tournament uh, recap and kind of looking at, guessing at what teams were going to get to the postseason, I don't even know if we had Ole Miss in there. Congrats to the Rebels. Well-earned, well-deserved, and man, they also had a lot of freshman young pitchers that stepped up for them this year, so they are going to be a problem uh, for years to come in the SEC. I got more SEC baseball notes coming at you in just a little bit, but uh, let's get to a little football news. The Manning Passing Academy uh, took place this past weekend. Tons of SEC quarterbacks are there, from Miles Brennan to uh, Anthony Richardson to Bryce Young, Will Levis. Max Johnson, lots of guys there. Uh, Levis was the most impressive of the weekend, according to reports. He's uh, projected to be a top 10 pick in next year's NFL draft. Quick programming note, we were there, and we caught up with several of those SEC guys, so we'll bring you some of those interviews throughout the week here on Locked on SEC, so keep an eye out for that. I did mention Bryce Young. He was there, and... Uh, Bryce Young's talking with 24-7 Sports, talked about some of his new additions, including running back Jameer Gibbs and Georgia transfer wide receiver Jermaine Burton. And he said on Jameer Gibbs, he's super explosive, super dynamic. He's lightning in a bottle every time he touches the ball. Just seeing him be able to improvise and do great things with it has been really fun for me to watch. Young also touched on former Louisville wide receiver Tyler Harrell coming over as a fifth-year senior he said he's come in, had a really good attitude, someone who wants a little more, looking for extra work. He's really, really open with me. It's a little fresher now because I explained it all to Jermaine, and now I get to work with Ty. So the Crimson Ty, they also added offensive tackle Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt, Eli Ricks from LSU. They have been very active in that transfer portal, and all those guys look to play big roles for Alabama this coming season. Speaking of uh, LSU, uh, former head coach Ed Ogeron spotted this past weekend down in Miami at their Legends camp. The national championship winning coach from LSU has ties to the Miami program, was their D-line coach back in the late 80s and early 90s. His son Cody, currently an offensive analyst on the staff of the Hurricanes. No word on if Coach O will accept a full-time position with the Miami Hurricanes, but he's been living in Florida ever since uh, he got uh, relieved of his duties from LSU and So, no surprise there if he pops up at Miami, but uh, wouldn't be surprised if he ends up joining that coaching staff eventually. In some recruiting news, we're going to get to good recruiting news in a second, but we'll start with the bad for Florida Gators. On Sunday afternoon, four-star quarterback Jaden Rashada committed to the Miami Hurricanes. He was one of the top quarterbacks in the class of the 2023. Four SEC programs were in his final five, including... LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Florida, but a lot of Gator fans thought they had a good chance to get him earlier this month. JUCO defensive back Ramon Rochada, his younger brother, he committed to Ole Miss, but Jaden is a six-foot-four, 185-pound quarterback out of the state of California, rated four stars, the number seven quarterback and number 45 prospect overall nationally. He previously planned to make his commitment a week ago, but he pushed the decision back and took one last visit to Miami. And it ended up being a good one because he committed to the Miami Hurricanes. So a big get for the U. And now Florida fans kind of kind of look and go, all right, who do we get now as our next big-time quarterback? In some other recruiting news, Alabama, they've uh, been picking up a couple of things, starting to heat up in their class. on Sunday they got a commitment from a three-star athlete named Bra- Brayson Hubbard, announced on Sunday afternoon, his commitment, according to 24-7 composite rankings, is the number 59 athlete in the class of 2023, number 11 overall recruit from the state of Mississippi. Meanwhile, over at Florida, Billy Napier's group, they did pick up a defensive lineman and four-star prospect Gavin Hill. He announced on Saturday he's committed for the 2023 class. Hill chose Florida over the likes of Auburn, Duke, and Georgia Tech. Florida offered him after a camp in the middle of June, and he made his commitment less than two weeks later he's the number 38 defensive lineman in the country number 54 player from the state of florida over at arkansas sam Pittman continuing to add to his group as they picked up athlete rj johnson six foot two 180 pounds out of the state of georgia a multi-position designation on the 24 7 sports composite rates him the number 65 recruit out of the state of georgia over Tennessee, Josh Heupel, Saturday he picked up a commitment from John Slaughter, a defensive back out of the state of Mississippi, 6'1", 194 pounds, rated as a three-star, the number 13th recruit out of the state of Mississippi. Their class got stronger on Sunday as they picked up commitment number 12 to this class. Out of the state of Georgia, three-star linebacker Jeremiah T. Lander, who announced on Twitter uh, his commitment Sunday afternoon, the number 74 linebacker in the class of 2023. So the balls now have uh, 12 players in their recruiting class, uh, ranks 13th in the nation, but that was prior to T. Lander's commitment. Eli Drinkwitz and the Missouri Tigers picking up a addition to their recruiting class on Sunday. A wide receiver out of the state of Illinois named Nicholas Deloach Jr., is yet to be rated by the major recruiting services, but Tigers now have six players in their 2023 class. Mike Leach and Mississippi State. They picked up a new commitment in Georgia wide receiver Nakai Poole. He announced his news on Twitter. He is 6'3", six foot three, two hundred and five pounds, and number one hundred five wide receiver in the 2023 class. Lastly, Isaiah Jada, a class of 2023 Juco offensive lineman, has announced his commitment to South Carolina and Shane Beamer. So congrats to him. Just a couple more notes real quick before we call the show. A couple of other other baseball notes, I should say. Uh, the 2022 MLB draft is going to be taking place very soon, but some news on the diamond for the Vanderbilt Commodores as potential first-round pick Andrew Dukinich – a right-handed pitcher from Indiana, withdrew his name from the draft and will attend Vanderbilt this fall. So big news for Vandy. And if you're an LSU baseball fan, man, they got a lot of good news these last couple days. It was announced on Sunday they are hiring Twins pitching coach Wes Johnson as their new pitching coach. According to D1 Baseball, Wes Johnson spent the last four years with the Minnesota Twins, so a big-time hire for Jay Johnson. And then they also hit up the transfer portal – adding NC State slugger Tommy White and Vanderbilt pitcher Christian Little, both transferring to Baton Rouge. Tommy White, known nationally as Tommy Tanks, in his first collegiate season as a freshman, he batted 362 with a slugging percentage of .757 and posted 27 home runs with 74 RBIs. He has two more seasons before he can re-enter the MLB draft. He was the ACC Freshman of the Year. And meanwhile, uh, Christian Little, he made 18 appearances on the mound in his sophomore year with Vandy, made three starts before settling into their bullpen, had a 3.72 ERA, and uh, reclassified to join the 2021 Vandy boys, a former uh, top recruit. And quick basketball note before we get out of here, Robert Dillingham will play for Kentucky. 5 store point guard announces commitment to John Calipari's program on Friday. He's out of California It's 24-7 Composites, number seven overall player for the class of 2023. So another basketball big-time recruit for John Calipari. All right, that is the latest news going on around the conference. When we return, we are going to talk all things SEC with our buddy Jesse Simonton of On3 Sports. We'll run through his SEC head coaching rankings. That's coming your way in just a sec. But well, first, I need to remind you about BetOnline.net. They are your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's uh, postseason playoffs for all the different sports, including uh, MLB. they got future stuff with college football and NFL up there as well. They're your continued source for all your sports wagering information. They've got live betting, eSports, scores, and BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports podcasts, scores, and news throughout the year. BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way for you to check in on all your favorite sports and events. Head on over to their website today. You can do so on your mobile device. Learn about all the trends and action. And, again, want to start getting some of that college football future info on there. If you want Heisman odds, future uh, college football playoff odds, they got all of that for you up at BetOnline.net. Head on over there right now, BetOnline.net. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. Going along here, Locked On SEC, and we're counting down the days to SEC Media Days. Got tons of stuff to talk about when it comes to the SEC, and I always like this time of year because I call it magazine season, talking season, list season, because we start to go through lists, and it generates a lot of conversation, but I love it because it means we're getting ever so closer to the start of yet another college football season, and an SEC season, to be uh, more specific and join us now to talk a little SEC football is a guy who's been doing it for a long time Worked for many different media outlets covering the SEC now with on three sports absolutely crushing it. He is Jesse Simonton and he joins us now Jesse what's going on man welcome in.
1: Appreciate you having me definitely counting down the days SEC media Days going to be here before we know it.
0: So so let's get into it, Jesse. I know you made made some headlines this past week, putting out your uh, SEC coaching rankings. And what I love about when you do a list like this, Jesse, is you never get an overwhelmingly, well, that's a great list, Jesse. You really just, you, you nailed it on the head, just 1 through 14. I mean, couldn't have done any better. You may get some people to say that, but overwhelmingly, you get a lot of pushback. You get a lot of people angry. Why is my coach here and all this? What was kind of the overwhelming uh, sentiment or, or most things that you heard from people when you put out the coaching rankings?
1: I think a number of fan bases kind of united in their uh, frustration that Mark Stoops was ranked ahead of their head coach. And I think you and I, for guys that have followed the league as closely as we have, that sh- it's just kind of like fans have such a myopic view where they, they don't see other people's wilderness. They don't see the world around them. And so what Stoops has done at Kentucky is, is, is just super impressive. He inherited one of the worst power five programs in all of college football and has turned them into a team that has won 10 games twice in the last four seasons. He won eight games with a wide receiver at quarterback a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't think Kentucky is some sort of championship contender, but when I see the guys uh, that I have slotted right behind him, the Kiffin, Pittman, you know, Mike Leach, I, I, I just think that what Stoops has done in the last several years at Kentucky is more impressive.
0: And for those who, who haven't seen the rankings, uh, you had Nick Saban one, which I think is indisputable. Kirby Smart just won the national championship. He's number two. Uh, I think there, some people were kind of taken aback. You have Brian Kelly, three, Jimbo Fisher, four. And I think that's a, that's a fair ranking, but a lot of people like to make the case, well, if you got a championship, you should be ahead of a guy who doesn't have a championship. What would you say to somebody that would say, well, Jimbo got one years ago at Florida State, so he should be ahead of Brian Kelly?
1: Exactly. The impetus for this list was actually a list that I did or a rankings that I did a week earlier, which is, again, this exercise, as you mentioned, it's been done uh, before, but I looked at it from an updated lens of, all right, these lists, whether it's an individual rankings list, but particularly an institution ranking list, SEC coaching job rankings in the NIL era, in the uh, days of the transfer portal and collectives and how the college football playoff may or may not shake out, it just looks a lot different than it did five years ago. And so I kind of took it from that lens, from the institution to the individuals, and you cannot make a case that Jimbo Fisher has been a more impressive coach than Brian Kelly in the last five years. Obviously, Notre Dame has plenty of resources, but they don't have Texas A&M's resources, and Kelly's won 10 games, five times, a couple college football playoff appearances, uh, and those are accomplishments that, to date, Jimbo has not. Uh, Seen
0: happen at Texas A&M. It's interesting how quickly you know the one game, and specifically the end of one game, can change our perspective on things. That Iron Bowl, if Brian Harson somehow holds on, runs out the clock, and they beat Alabama, I think everybody at Auburn is putting them on their shoulders, carrying around saying, "Man, the future looks bright with Brian Harson Because they lose that game, and they had lost a couple games prior to that. It, it just felt like this big epic meltdown. Then they go on to lose the bowl game. I, I know you have Brian Harson near the bottom of this list, but, uh, I mean, what's it going to take? What does Harson need to do this year, one, to, to win back the fans? Because I hear some fans who are very positive and supportive of him, but, two, I mean, it, it feels like now that he's got his OC and his DC, his guys in, in Schmetting and Keesaw that, man, he's got to turn this thing around quickly. Well,
1: I don't think Brian Harson joining the Chris Gordy I'm going to compete with the podcast space is gonna is gonna ultimately be what wins him uh, over the fan base in Auburn. I get it's a nice you know public gesture, but I think that week three game against Penn State is insanely important because if you lose at home on the plains to frankly a James Franklin Penn State program that has not been that great the last couple of years, uh, I know there's some confidence they're gonna be better this fall. Um, There's some metrics that uh, outlining numbers that say that Penn State should actually be one of the better teams in the Big Ten, but that's such a huge game because when you account for the fact you host Penn State and then obviously you play the SEC West plus Georgia, the air seems to be coming out of the balloon uh, for Brian Harson. and I don't think ultimately, whether it's the end of year two, uh, I would be very surprised if he made it to year three. That's, That's kind of how both, you know, from talking to folks behind the scenes and just seeing where these tea leaves
0: are one, one more on your uh, coaching rankings list and we're talking with jesse simonton from on three sports uh of the guys who are maybe on the back half of, of this list from mike leach on down to clark lee who do you think this year has the best chance to climb up in these rankings have a great year and we start talking about as a potential top five top six coach in the sec
1: yeah, I mentioned on Twitter, I thought Leach was kind of the hardest guy to rank. I wrote a column just a couple weeks ago or a week or two ago, you know, that it's it's notable that he hadn't been given a contract extension. So it, he seems to be a guy that I could see backslide or maybe not even be on this list, depending on how 2022 plays out for Mississippi State. Uh, it's probably Billy Napier, because while I think Heupel and Beamer exceeded expectations in year one. Napier obviously comes with an even longer track record, 40 wins, a couple Sun Sunbelt titles. Uh, but I have him at 11 and some Florida fans were a little peeved about that because it's just kind of a wait and see deal. Um, the Gators open with a gauntlet, one, two, Utah, I'm probably going to be a top 10, top 15 team, and then Kentucky in week two. It, it's going to be, a very interesting year one in Gainesville for Billy Napier. And if he, like Heitel and Bieber did a year ago, can exceed expectations, I absolutely see him kind of inching up that list.
0: The, that kind of leads me into my next question because I've been doing my deep dive, Jesse, where I start to look at rosters and depth charts all across the SEC. And I really start to, you know, I take a neutral standpoint, I take a step back and I say, does this team have talent? You know, do they have enough talent to win games this year and, and, and compete at a high level? And I look at LSU's roster and I see a lot of talent, particularly in that front seven. I look at Florida's roster, I see a lot of talent. I love Anthony Richardson. If they, if both teams stay relatively healthy, is there a chance LSU and Florida are better this year than people think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've uh, I've sl- sl- uh, labeled or however you want to call it, slated LSU is kind of the, the Jekyll and Hyde team. Um, uh, of the 2022 season, because I think their variance and their, the, the, the wildness of each outcome for their season is extremely possible. They do have talent. You're right. Uh, I think their front seven is going to be just ridiculously nasty. I think Mason Smith is going to take a leap in year two. Obviously Roy's really good. You got Ojalari and Gay coming off the edges, um, and, and there's plenty of, on Butet, may be the best wide receiver in the SEC. I think the concern, from my perspective with LSU, is there's just so much newness. Uh, how does that coalesce? Can, can Brian Kelly's identity, the culture, the changes that he's trying to implement, can it happen fast in year one? And then, as you mentioned, I think you mentioned, that, can they survive injuries? Depth is going to be a real concern at both Florida and LSU. They both do have talent but they don't have a deep roster. LSU doesn't even quite have 85 scholarship players right now. Um, and when you face the schedule that they face, and particularly, you know, that back half gauntlet in November, it, that's just really rough. I think eight wins is totally reasonable, but for a team and for a program that has championship expectations and Brian Kelly's come in and top titles, I don't know if that those two and two have kind of come together for the fan base and, and the re- reality, you know, so far this offseason.
0: I want to touch on the the two teams that we expect to be, you know, Alabama and Georgia. Look, the the, the odds makers are saying they're both going to be back in the playoff and, you know, back in the SEC championship game. And seeing what they did in the spring, it's hard to argue against that Bryce Young back at Alabama. Uh, Georgia brings a lot back. But I think the dynamic shifts on both teams this year. Looking at what I see with Alabama and their makeup, the offensive line still having some issues with pass protection, you know, and working in some new pieces, some transfers. I wonder if Alabama transitions back. Back to more a run-heavy team with Jameer Gibbs coming in and, and some some pounders back there. And I wonder if Georgia almost, their strength this year isn't necessarily the defense, but the offense. Because, Jesse, I was so impressed with what I saw with them in the spring game with Stetson Bennett being back and ha- having the added dynamic of Eric Gilbert. You can have Brock Bowers back. I mean, I'm looking at Georgia going maybe they're the high-flying offense this year, and the defense is pretty good, and Alabama gets back to suffocating defense-dominant run game.
1: I am 100% with you on Alabama having this
0: suffocating defense.
1: I, I'm a little skeptical that they're going to take the ball out of Bryce Young's hands, even with uh, some of the offensive line concerns that, that, that you mentioned. I do think Gibbs is going to be a, a dynamic playmaker for the Tide, both as a, a receiver, a returner, and a running back. They do have a, a, just a, a plethora of other options back there in the backfield. But I think I, I, I wrote it early this offseason. I think Alabama with Anderson braswell um turner and some of the other guys they have i think they they could become the first modern defense uh so basically it's since 2000 on to ever have a 60 60 sack season never happened and i I think that would be super impressive for georgia i I think their offense was underrated a year ago and i do think it's going to be better this fall this is a team that was top 10 in a number of metrics, top 10 in explosiveness. they were. Everyone loved to talk about Lane Kiffin's offense and, and the, how good the Rebels were. It just If you just look at bare metrics, Georgia was better in a number of categories a year ago, and people just don't think about it because they had a historic defense. So there's better skill talent there this year with Eric Gilbert and some of those freshmen who are now sophomores. Your Bowers, who may be the best tight end in, in, in America. You got A.D. A. Mitchell, like uh, lad McConkey. Uh, so I, I think Georgia is going to be extremely dynamic on offense. I think they have a chance to take a leap and that they, they're going to have to shoulder a bigger load because obviously the defense isn't going to be as good when you send, you know, umpteen guys to the NFL.
0: Last one for you, Jesse. And and I know, uh, he's been doing a little media here. He was on with Paul Feinbaum recently, but Will Anderson, I, there's kind of this groundswell, this, this, uh, talk of man, Put his name in the Heisman race. A lot of people said he should have been there last year. What's realistic for Will Anderson? What kind of year does he have to have to hear his name called uh, in New York in, in December?
1: I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna maybe flip it on you. I think he's gonna get his name called no matter, no matter what type of season he has, because I think people think he was shortchanged a year ago, and I do think he probably is. Uh, the best individual football player in America. I could also see his stats taking a little bit of a of a reduction compared to a year ago, and that's frankly because I think he's going to have more help around him. I, I think uh, a guy like Turner is going to really um, step up as as a sophomore. Brasswell's a guy who didn't even play last year um, is going to get some burn on the edge too. So, and I think Alabama is going to be protective of Will Anderson. I think there's going to be plenty of games where they say. You know, Will, uh, I know that you may be going for this record or you want this accolade. But for your best long-term health and for the best of our betterment of our team and and winning this, you know, elusive eighth championship, I think we're going to sit you on a lot of fourth quarters. And so I do think he's going to have a place in New York, though, Chris, because I think there's just so many uh, voters out there. And like you said, the offseason groundswell where people feel like a mistake was made a year ago by snubbing him um so even if his stats take a bit you know a little bit of a step back i i think that he's going to be one of those you know three four guys that gets an invite
0: yeah what i love is all these early mock drafts that have bryce young one bryce young bryce young it's like what if this thing flips and it's will anderson jumping his teammate <laughs> to be the number one pick in next Absolutely. year's draft certainly a possibility uh jesse simon did on three sports i love reading your stuff man on three.com is the website but to remind our listeners where they can find you and uh, what you're working on right now
1: Yeah, Jesse Ray Simonton on Twitter. That's Jesse R-E-S-A-M-O-N-T-O-N. Lots of stuff coming. You know, again, SEC Media Days basically right after July 4th. I think, you know, the gas starts to to start to rev up a little bit. So I'll have my weekly mailbag every Friday. Still fluttering out the final few uh, post-spring stock reports. So if you're looking for kind of some individual team information, I know LSU, Texas A&M are kind of the next two that are to be released. And then we'll have some more columns and some stuff that kind of,
0: again, gets us ready for media days. Jesse, great stuff, man. Thanks so much for the time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right. That's Jesse Simonson on three sports. All right. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Appreciate you guys for listening. Appreciate Jesse Simonson for joining us. We'll be back later this week with some great interviews from all the SEC quarterbacks that we caught up with at the Manning Passing Academy. We talked with Anthony Richardson. We talked with uh, Will Rogers. We talked with uh, Hendon Hooker. Just ton of great guys. You don't want to miss any of those interviews. We'll bring those to you very soon right here on Locked On SEC. Reminder to uh, – or thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Now you go make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts. All the SEC schools got you covered, so go check out Locked On Ole Miss – where I know there Stephen Willis is going to be recapping that whole Ole Miss, you know, winning the College World Series thing, got you covered there. And other great podcasts along the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Chris Gordy. You guys have a great day. We'll talk to you very soon.